0: This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Nally. Our guest this week is Mark Stewart, President and CEO of Agriculture Future of America. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS, the National Crop Insurance Services. Crop insurance, the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with AFA's Mark Stewart next. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. Following the vision of the Kemper family of Kansas City, an agriculture youth development organization was born 24 years ago to help with the evolution of the way future ag professionals think and act and to support their spirit of entrepreneurship. Today, AFA CEO Mark Stewart says the vision has expanded to over 200 campuses and 150 different agriculture majors.
1: Probably the thing that we get accused of most often is being a best kept secret Uh, because we don't serve the masses. There's, again, a a structural thing here that's unique about our organization that plays into our mission and is why we're really not much different than today today. In the early days, we really thought we would create this, uh, this this structural aspect of the organization, you know, an on-campus membership or a chapter or a club at a college campus. And really what we were hearing in the early days from campus leadership was, I don't need any more clubs and organizations. I need more effective leadership in those clubs and organizations. So in many ways, AFAers are kind of camouflaged because we don't have a membership. Uh, most everything you do with AFA is competitive in nature. It kind of mirrors real life. So students applying get selected for our experiences, whether that's our student leadership positions, uh, our leaders conference, which is kind of our anchor event, that, that, that event that those first group of student leaders created. Uh, we do a series of leader institutes, which are more about an immersion into a segment of the industry. All of those things are competitive in nature. And so students applying get selected for these things. And again, back to that mission, what we're trying to instill in young people, if you thought about that spirit of entrepreneurialism, they go back and they make more meaning out of their coursework. They get more engaged in their extracurricular activities. Hopefully they're a better leader in the, in the positions that they hold. Uh, and they create a ripple effect. They hopefully rise the tide and lift others up around them. And that's always been the mission is we're not going to serve everyone. Again, we have no membership. So it's about, you know, how do we do this more effectively by diversifying, by spreading our, our wings and our tentacles to different parts of the country, different, uh, uh geographies, uh, Certainly, we're focused on the diversity of our student base, so different ethnicities, we pay attention to gender, uh, we look at academic majors. We want diversity in all aspects because when they come together for our experiences and you get a really eclectic group of ambitious young leaders, they challenge each other's perspectives, they open each other's eyes, and when we engage them with industry, they get a better perspective of what's out there in the world and, and ultimately the role that they can play in, in leading this forward. And so... That mission and, and some of those original uh, paradigms are still in place, and I don't. I think those are, are really impactful still today. So those won't drastically change. Really, what I think we're thinking about in the 25th is you know, how can we do more? We're in a really unique place between our industry partners, our campus partners, and the young people we serve because we do serve young professionals as well. We, we've got the ability to listen, to react, and provide support in ways that could support any one of those partnerships. And so the 25th is really more about how do we leverage the knowledge that we have and the seat that we sit in to be able to support any of our stakeholders, but specifically focused on those young people in ways that we haven't thus far.
0: I would suggest 20, 30 years ago, maybe before, one of the statements of land-grant universities across the country is that there are more jobs in agriculture than there are students who are pursuing agriculture careers. What about today in 2020? Do you have enough students to to meet the needs of the industry, and how's the industry changing?
1: That's still the case. Uh, I may even reflect back a little bit, if you'll oblige me, Jeff, uh, in, in our early days, so again, just 24 years ago, um, you know, some of the questions that, that Ross, my predecessor, would ask of the student delegates we served is how many of you – uh, uh want to go back into agriculture specifically on the family farm and um, and a lot of hands would raise and then the next question is how many of you have that opportunity and they'd almost all go down. And so there was a, a time and a notion that you know where parents were encouraging their kids to do something else, especially if they came from a more traditional farming background, times have changed in that regard because we've got young people coming, from all over the place and certainly from, uh, non-farm backgrounds. And so that's really exciting in some regards. Um, the reality is and Purdue and USDA put out a study every five years, I believe. Uh, so they have really good data that show this, but, but there is still a deficit in terms of students that are pursuing degree programs and the number of available opportunities almost to the tune of 15 to 20,000, uh, a year. And so, you know, we need to do a better job as as an industry. Um, we held a, a dialogue on human capital, so that that's kind of the space that we're in. You know, supply and demand, where you know, and we wanted to have a dialogue on on that supply and demand for human capital. And this was about eight years ago, and we brought a bunch of academia and industry together. and And there's a lot of these conversations that happen, but there was a profound moment that I've shared, and one of the panelists uh, in that dialogue said, you know, in the, in the 70s and 80s, every kid growing up wanted to be an astronaut. You know, it was the thing. You know, how do we make ag the new NASA? And maybe that's the new SpaceX or whatever. But, you know, how do you get young people really excited to, you know, really early on so that they obviously then go to high school and maybe engage in FFA and, and, and again, continue to whet that appetite and then ultimately make the decision to enroll in, in degree programs and continue that pursuit? And that's a challenge for all of us in this space is how do we encourage that continuum? Because there is definitely still a deficit, but it's as exciting a time as ever for a young person to be in agriculture, no matter where they grew up, what background they have, or what, you know, again, what, um, what perspective they may have on agriculture. So it's still something. It's an uphill battle. We're still fighting, Jeff.
0: I look at the industry and amazed at how technology is advancing from data and data management to autonomous vehicles, uh, continued research into seed technology and to the, to the biosphere regarding to the, regarding the soil, sustainability, climate change, all of these concepts that are coming in and are a part of the discussion of the ag industry today. Are the ag jobs changing? And is the curriculum at our schools preparing these students for those new careers?
1: Excellent question. And I I don't want to sound so pessimistic here, but um, I've heard all sorts of numbers. Some people might throw out to say half of the jobs that are going to be needed in 10-plus years don't even exist right now. Um, So this is a moving target. Um, But back to the other part of your question is, There is a little bit of friction between industry and academia to align that supply and demand piece. And again, it was uncovered eight years ago when we hosted that dialogue and and isn't uh, unique to today. But it's just a really unique challenge that the industry has is how do we have that open conversation further out to know that, here are where the job needs are going to be. How do we entice young people to in, to enroll in programs that will prepare them for that? And that's a big and a daunting task. But I can give you specific examples. A number of years ago, we had a board member who, you know, basically said, I can't hire enough agronomists, but the college just down the road from us just cut their agronomy program. It's that kind of thing. You know, how do we as a, a system of education and, and industry work together to identify what those needs are going to be uh, and when it gets more complicated is how do we do that when we don't even know what some of the roles are going to be? Um, another example right now is just because everybody is, is creating systems to collect data or analyze data, there's just more and more of a need for a young person to be able to take a role that says, how do you help us? Interpret this in a way that it's, uh, supports our business or it supports a farmer or whatever, whatever the sort of the value proposition may be. And, um, and there are more and more of these programs coming up, but you know, as a young person, is that even on their radar to consider that as a, as a path and, uh, and a lucrative one at that? So we got a lot of work to do. And, and again, there are just some discrepancies between sort of that. the the number of students preparing for certain degree programs and the needs in the industry, especially when we don't even know what some of those jobs are going to be, because they don't even exist now, um, for all the reasons you mentioned, whether it's environment or AI or technology, et cetera.
0: Well, being a parent of a couple of college students myself right now, I realize how COVID has changed campus life dramatically. So, how has the COVID situation uh, affected the students that you have in AFA now, and their pursuit of leadership opportunities in AFA, and, and frankly, in finding employment?
1: Well, we're—I mean—we're still evolving here, but the short version is um, it really stinks. <laughs> um, you know, college students thrive off engagement and interaction. You know, if they didn't, most of them would be in online degree programs, you know, but the bulk of the ones we're serving are in on-campus programs, and they and they thrive off that engagement and interaction. And when it comes to industry, you know, they're used to, you know, doing on-campus recruiting. Uh, there's something about meeting people face-to-face, exchanging resumes, you know, doing on-site interviews, speaking in front of classes. Like, all of these things are changing before our eyes. And, um, it's a bit of a silver lining because I think it will make us all more efficient at what we do. But at the end of the day, it does really stink for, for, you know, young people that are used to that engagement. Um, so, you know, to put it in our perspective, we had to certainly had to cancel some in-person experiences early on. We did our, our crop science Institute, which was supposed to be in North Carolina. We did virtually. And when we put it in that perspective, while students rated the experience really well, um, it doesn't compare to in-person. As much as you try to create all the engagement, you know, we do breakout sessions where they learn about specific companies and they get to interact and ask questions with professionals and they have the ability to have some one-on-one time and it's not just all being delivered content. It's just not the same. And so we're all having to evolve to how to do this well. And so for, for industry, that means, you know, virtual career fairs um, with a specific campus We'll do that as well. Again, the the value proposition for us is that we're selecting students from all over the country, so our fair is more eclectic. You'll get students from all sorts of campuses, all sorts of majors, and um, so it's just a a little different process. Um, But you know, not being able to gauge face to face is really challenging. Some people to um, to to think creatively, and especially for the young person. I just was on a call last night. We've got a group of ambassadors that help promote our opportunities to students across the country and there's there's 25 of them and I was on a call with them last night and about half of them had their cameras on and the other half didn't. They're engaged. They're just, for whatever reason, they don't all have their, their cameras on. And part of my final plea to them was as they help us promote our leaders conference here in November, uh, encourage your peers to show up. And part of that is turn the camera on, you know, <laughs> uh, be prepared for that and interact and engage. Even though it's virtual, you want it. Industry people, uh, want you to be engaged with them in a, in a you know in a, in a meaningful way, and it, it helps you stand apart. I mean, this is a skill that you need to develop, and it's not going anywhere. And we need to make the most of it. And again, it starts with a simple a simple turn your camera on, uh, as cheesy as that may sound. So, we're we're all learning our way through this, and we're trying to support young people in any way they can because they. Yeah, obviously we're really disrupted in the spring and um some people are kind of feeling a little bit more normal now but it's it, we got a long road ahead of us
0: what do you hope for in the next five years and in the next 25 years and is there a global scope
1: yeah <laughs> you asked me to pull the curtain back well the irony is we're, we're engaging in this strategic plan around our 25th which again i, I consider our, our tipping point um you could place our model over any industry sector, but certainly there are possibilities beyond the boundaries of our, our country. Um, I would say the more immediate opportunities and, and all, honestly, some of my, my my personal passions and I think our organization's passions revolve around, you know, uh, trying to build and uh, get our young people to appreciate diversity. And I mean that on a lot of fronts, but certainly with some of the racial tensions we've had in our country this year, you know we've been doing work for several years on this continuum of basic respect for other people and perspectives through uh, all of the, the conversations around uh, discrimination and and biases and prejudice and um, and all the, the touchy subjects that are, are tough for young people, all the way to what is, what is inclusion and, and what does ultimately engagement look like for a young person and for a company. And so um, that conversation and that work needs to, needs to really ramp up because we've we got some real serious issues not only in our country, but I would say in our industry, um, you know, in terms of encouraging and supporting young people, that look different from us. That grew up different from us. That feel welcomed to consider not only a, a, a degree program, but a but a, a career uh, pursuit in this industry, and that's that's a big deal for a lot of uh, our peer organizations and for us. Is how do how do we support young people to you know take this head on and to make significant changes in their workplaces, and ultimately this is this is the 25 year. You know, make the communities that they end up living and working in better. You know, again, that's that entrepreneurialism concept. You, you take what you learn, you develop some skills and you have a profound positive impact on other people and where you work and the, and the communities you live in. So that, that's the more grandiose and ultimately how do you measure that from a societal return on investment? Um, so that, that would be sort of the grandiose. And, and, again, how we do that can look a lot of different ways, but there's just a lot of opportunity from a, a footprint perspective for us to, to reach more young people and, and ultimately encourage more young people to step up and to take on opportunities. On the flip side, with, you, with industry in particular – We we did a program review uh, almost two years ago, and and one of the notions that came out of that was there's this middle majority of college students that don't get the same access that other students get, and that can mean a lot of different things. But ultimately, if you just thought about it in terms of experiential learning, how do I get my hands on something and, 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 and encourage me to consider my career pursuit? And there is a majority of college students that don't get the same kind of experiences that the top echelon get. So how could we, as an industry, work on supporting that middle majority? Create more internships, create more opportunities, uh, especially for for minorities that are trying to see themselves in in this industry that you know, has a you know a, a viewpoint that is predominantly white. And so these are big things, and and again, we'll play a, a small part in you know in in how we try to make progress. But there's just a lot of work to be done, and. Uh, and those are a couple of important things that, that we're giving a lot of thought to. And um, I guess the final thing that I would say is, um, you know, especially when times are trying and maybe the economics aren't good, um, organizations may lose the ability or have to uh, uh, sacrifice the ability to lift up and develop their young people. So you could call it bench strength, you could call it succession planning, whatever you want to do. And oftentimes it may be that young people are um, do a really good job, you know, right out of the gate, and they're um, recognized by giving them a promotion and put in a role of supervision without no formal training. And so we believe that there's a lot of opportunity to work with employers, especially those that have had to sacrifice the resources to lift people up, to support great people leadership, and and uh, and and if you do that well, not only are you enhancing quality of life for, for those that are being supervised, but again, you're, you're sort of rising the tide, and I believe there's a, a real opportunity to do that in the young professional space and with our partners as well.
0: I've got one more question for you, and then we'll go to the closing uh, remark, and I'll, I'll offer this. Uh, Mark, ultimately, you are developing or involved in the development of the generation that will help to meet the food security needs of a growing planet and the billions that will come in the middle class that continues to expand. Do you see an urgency toward this goal?
1: Yeah, absolutely. because the entire industry has that urgency and it's been ingrained in every young person that we've got to feed however many billion, you know, you always hear the general ballpark. So yeah, there is a natural urgency. I think young people today have a hard time sort of envisioning what that looks like. And that's kind of where we come in. And so if we can create this uh, bridge between our partners and our, our young people to help uh, create a vision for what it looks like for, for that to successfully play out, I think that's that's our, our biggest and most daunting task because it's it's one thing to talk about this theoretical and 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 you know certainly uh, missional need of ours to, to feed you know the world, um, but it's a hard thing to fathom in in real tangible terms and so you know, any opportunity we have to, to, you know, as organizations are figuring out what their role is in this niche and, and how they're going to meet certain needs, whether, again, it's, you know, it, it, decreasing fossil fuels or whatever. Like, everybody has a different angle at which they're coming about helping the environment, feeding the world, increasing yields, whatever. To put that into tangible terms so that a young person not only sees how that could impact their, their career path, but give them a glimpse for why that is inspirational Uh, and valuable within that company. Because if there's one thing we know about Gen Z's, college students today, is they're really interested in that mission and the purpose behind the work that they do. And now, like no time before in our history, we have that opportunity to entice young people to consider this industry because they get to feed the world, because they get to solve environmental issues or challenges that we might be faced with, and so forth and so on. And there's real mission and purpose behind that, and uh, they just need to see it in a way that entices them enough to want to pursue it. And it's it's more than pay or competition or anything else. Is, what is that purpose, and can I get behind it, and will I pursue a career in it?
0: Well, Mark Stewart, we celebrate the work of the AFA and your mission, uh, and certainly are excited for uh, the years to come, and the leaders that you will continue to uh, bring to the industry. Uh, this is open mic, and in open mic, sir, today you have the last word.
1: Well, I uh, I can't tell you how much we appreciate organizations like AgriPulse and 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 others that uh, lift up the voice of uh, organizations that are doing great things, and especially young or smaller organizations like ours. And so you know we're just thankful to, to have the voice and to have the microphone if you will for a, a few brief moments and to share a little bit more about what we do and why we believe our our mission is critical and how people can engage with us and that we've got a lot of problems to solve but part of our uh, our value proposition is that we bring people together to build bridges for uh, for betterment of our industry. And so uh, we just appreciate the opportunity and appreciate the from the from the audience.
0: Our thanks to Mark Stewart, President and CEO of Agriculture Future of America. Our guest this week on Open Mic. Agripulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS, the National Crop Insurance Services. Crop insurance, the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. For Agripulse... I'm Jeff Alley.